0: I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio,
2: Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. So good to have you tonight on the show. Jeff, DW, your host tonight, Jason, is back in studio with us tonight. Guys, it's so great to be with you again.
3: Good to be with you. It's good to be with our listening guests. And I hope that um, they will be able to not only join us, but go back to hopenet360.com and pick up some of the other broadcasts that we did because I think it's important to put some of these, string them together, especially this one and next week. Yes, for sure. That.
4: It's good to be back. And we're on the brink of something here.
3: We are. The brink. We're the on drink. the brink. What is brink? A brink. We're on the edge, of the cusp. Was that like a, a few minutes left, Bear Packer game? We were on the brink of winning. Well, here, here, we go. here we go. Is that what that's like? I knew. I knew at some. Hey, point would that you be were brink? I'm trying to understand the word brink, and you're trying to make it into something kind of a rivalry. But I'm trying to understand the word.
4: <laughs> it's kind of like when there's a peep on the table, and Jeff walks in. Ah. Uh, and to us, that peep is disgusting.
3: Ah uh, yes. But
4: he's on the brink of just dashing no, it and shoving no. it in his face. Or
3: is it like when Jay Cutler goes back for a pass, he's on the brink of an interception? Would that be more like it? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. I'm just trying to get a grasp of the word.
2: You ever say a word too many times and it all of a sudden doesn't make sense anymore? We're getting there. We are on the cusp of some cusp. Yeah. Say that one.
3: Cusp, cusp, cusp. What is cusp?
2: Cusp. I don't know. I don't have a dictionary in front of me, Dave. So we have brink and cusp. It's kind of like
3: how
4: in our fantasy league.
3: Let let me introduce this to our people then.
4: (laughs) What are you introducing?
3: We're on the brink and cusp of something great, so pay attention. What did that just mean?
4: It meant that you were just redundant and repetitive.
3: Can you be redundantly repetitive? Yes.
4: (laughs) Yes. But anyways, right. I uh, love playing with this words. This is our ninety-ninth so. episode. Yeah, it All is.
2: Right. And next week will be a hundred, and we're right. hoping to have some special guests in studio with us, people that have been there along the way. And a hundred episodes is just cool because it's a hundred. It's like a century, and you got to celebrate a century every time it comes through. So that been with Y2K. I mean, everybody was excited, and there was a lot of hoopla and. People are buying generators and everything else. I bought a generator. I yeah. did. I still use it. I was going to say, you probably still it, use it it's today.
3: 15 years later, and whenever the power goes out, I still use it. I'm thinking, man, thank you for Y2K because I've had a generator ever since.
2: Yeah, and Apple computers too because they probably didn't have any Y2K. Uh, probably. That was so long ago.
3: Can you believe that? 15 years 15 ago? 15 years. Yeah.
4: I didn't do anything for Y2K.
3: All right. When I was a kid, and you mentioned the year 2000, Yes. I honestly thought Jetsons, that we'd be flying around in cars. That robots would be doing all of our work. That your dog would be doing its walk on a treadmill. That's what I thought.
4: I'm still waiting for my hoverboard.
3: Yeah, hoverboard. Yeah. It's coming October, right? You know? Yep. But you know, it's interesting when you have expectations of of what it should be. When I was a kid, I remember watching and thinking, "It's impossible. You're not going to land on that moon." Yeah. Impossible. And I watched it, and I thought, "You landed on that moon." And now today, think of this stuff cell phones. All that stuff was foreign to me when I was a kid. I actually grew up at a time where where black and white TVs were what everyone had. There was no color TVs. There were, but only the extremely wealthy had them. Now look at what TVs are doing. It's just weird.
4: Now they're curved.
3: I know. Whoa. Yeah, you might as well not try and keep up with that one. I tell you. Uh, But but it's interesting to look forward and to look backwards a little bit. I mean, when I look backwards, I, I don't think anything back there was bad. It's just it's hard for me sometimes to fathom. I used to drive buses for camp back and forth from Chicago with no cell phone.
2: And no GPS? No
3: GPS, no cell phone. We'd break down to the road. We used to put everybody's luggage on top of the bus. Wow. On a luggage rack. And and we'd go down to Chicago. Do you remember those buses? I do. Yeah, because Jason was, was a part of that church. Yeah.
4: When it, they broke down. Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 you know, when they break down, and, you've, and, and believe me, we packed them. So you had 60 kids on a bus. They were old buses, and you had all the luggage on top. So even going around a curve, the whole bus would tilt, you know, like this, and then you break down with them with no communication.
4: (laughs) That impacted me. I remember in first grade, my first time going on a field trip, we went on a school bus, and I remember telling my teacher, I'm like, are we going to break
3: down? Because I didn't want to break down. (laughs) Because of all the camp buses. (laughs) Because of all the
4: camp buses and church, you know, because it was the church bus, and it always broke down.
3: You can become gifted. If you look back and see that it's a positive, all the buses are broken down, so I'm in college and I'm I'm with Wheaton College, and we're going to play away games. And they drive these old coach buses. I, I, you know, they're nice buses, but for some reason they must have got them from World War II surplus <laughs> or, or something. Twice in my time, the bus started on fire on our way. Really? Yeah. What? Started on fire, and I'm sitting in the back, and all of a sudden you smell this. You know, it smells. And I, I I walk up to the head coach and go, it "Smells like something's burning in there." Now everyone else is panicking. Man, I drove a camp bus. You know, if you want, just give me some water. I'll throw it on there. We'll keep going. You know, it's like, yeah, this isn't a problem. And, and, and he's laughing because I'm so calm. He goes, like, I think the engine's on fire back there. <laughs> ah, you know, it's like, so he pulls did, did over. He, did you scream like that? No, that the coach did. Oh, but no, he didn't. So the driver pulls over and quickly gets everybody off. And I'm, I'm just thinking. Are you kidding? It's about to flare up. This is the time that, you know, did you bring marshmallows? Because <laughs> I used to have to stand on the side of the road with 60 kids yeah. and kind of wave down cops to, yeah. to help us. Because how am I going to get a call to somebody? Yeah, no kidding.
2: I don't even go to big cities anymore without a GPS. Yeah. Mostly because I'm like, I'd be lost. Or you a know? phone. Well, definitely a phone, but a GPS All would right. be a valuable I have to thing.
3: tell you the truth here. Okay. There, there were policemen that saw us. They went right by. Really? There's no way that a guy wants to stop with 60 kids on the side of the road <laughs> in a school bus with all the luggage on top. This, this policeman knew what he was in for if he stopped. <laughs> so it's like, I ain't stopping. I'm, and I remember once there were two police that went by and I'm trying to wave them down and they went by anyway. And I'm thinking, all right, guys, I am really I, stuck here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally somebody stopped. You know, normally though, who stopped somebody that knew camp, somebody that had been to camp stop and go, oh, Oh hi! What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm going. I'm kind of in trouble. I have sixty kids. No phone. I'm, I'm miles from a help. Could you go call somebody for me? I mean, that's how we used to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you think I'd be traumatized, Jeff? You think? You think I would be traumatized? You now? think so? You think so? I'm not. I still smile when I think about buses.
4: Most of the time. There's that one story when you tried walking back to camp.
3: I did try. I I didn't say that those were good. (laughs) (laughs) There there was one time. It's the third bus in the summer. Now, for those of you that understand church buses and old, one time it was the third bus I blew up that summer. So I'm going to Chicago, 300 miles, and I'm in this bus, and all of a sudden, boom, I hear that infamous, that engine's gone sound. Oh, boy. And I'm And I'm thinking, okay. And I threw the clutch in, and I just... Guided it over to the side, and I sat there. Now, we had a rule. My buddy Ron was riding a, driving a bus in front of me, but if we got out of sight from each other, we had to get off and turn around. Mm-hmm. So my buddy Ron, I, I got out of his sight, obviously, so he says, uh-oh. So he went, and he um dropped the kids off at an A&W. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-huh. busload of kids at an A&W. <laughs> and, and then the driver leaves. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Oh, that, I wish I could have been a, a little mouse in the corner of that restaurant. So then... He turns around and comes back with an empty bus and, and he pulls up behind me and goes, what happened? I said, bus is gone. And I'm ticked. This is my third bus that summer. You know, we're saying, well, what do we do? We don't have any options. Put them on your bus, take my luggage inside and go. Well, I had nobody tell anybody. All right. No, this is between us. He put 60 kids on that bus and then he went and picked up his 60 and just kept going and, and all their luggage. Well, we had no choice back then. This was like 1970 or something like that. And we, you know, that's what you did yeah. back then. Nobody cared. Yeah. And, and and those are the stories you remember. But I was so frustrated that day, so frustrated that I remember I was walking down the highway and literally tears were streaming down my eyes. And I was yelling at God saying, God, do you understand? I'm trying to do something good here. What do you keep busting these buses for?
2: Mm.
3: I mean, I was mad. I, I don't know how many miles I walked. I walked to a gas station and I picked up a phone. I didn't have any money. So I called the lady that we worked with on buses. Collect. If you don't know what that is, look it up on the, on, on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And I called her collect, and I said, your bus is, and I gave her the location, and I said, I'm walking back to camp. <laughs> I, I was in Milwaukee. <laughs> I believe it. I was, I, I was just north of Milwaukee, and I, and I literally started to walk back to camp. I mean, that's the mind frame I was in. <laughs> and, and about a mile into it, a guy pulls over who recognized my shirt and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm walking to camp. It was like, believe it or not, it was the youth pastor of the church who was going up to camp. For that week, and and he caught me <laughs> walking awesome. to camp. He threw me in the car. I wasn't gonna go. He put me in the car. It's like he forced me in, yeah, and brought me to camp. And and that's how I got back. And, and then I got my sanity back. So interesting. Uh, we need to talk about how past experiences affect us. we, we yeah. need to do that.
2: Yeah, we're gonna do that tonight. And uh, you know, sometimes God does send you your own personal cab once in a while to get you from. Where you were to where you should be going. And we're going to talk about how to leave it all behind tonight on the show. We're also going to chat with a coach about fields of faith coming up. So that'll be a great conversation later tonight in the show. And the conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio.
0: Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave.
2: Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff and DW with you tonight on HopeNet Radio. Glad that you've joined us for the conversation. Don't forget, this last week, we was see you at the poll. Many of you guys were out of your flagpoles, praying for your school, praying for your country, for your teachers, and all that. And we would love to hear your report. So go to hopenet360.com slash syatp. That's the link there. You can report in your school totals and share a story about how see at the Poll went for you this year. Also, coming up on the show, we will talk to Tim Burr, who is a coach here in Green Bay, and he will be talking about fields of faith. Great conversation tonight. We'd love for you to be a part of it. So if you're hanging out on Twitter with us, we're on the tweet back. Just use the hashtag HNRTB. And join us for the HopeNet Radio Tweet back. This is show 99. Next week will be the 100th episode. So you definitely don't want to miss next week's conversation. But tonight's conversation, Dave, is all about how to overcome the past. And many times in life, we'll talk to people. I've been there. There are points in our past where we can just point to and say, man, I really messed up there. Man, I really could have done better on this. And sometimes we get hung up in this kind of a funk where we're just continually living in the past a lot of times looking at our failures and yeah. i i found in my own life it's not healthy but then even in talking with people who are stuck who are kind of going through life in that point of their life where they're like man i really messed this up i messed this up and it's sometimes it can be hard to talk to people about the past and overcoming the past and and Dave, you've probably talked to many young people over the years is this a common thing for young people to,
3: to face and it's, wrestle with it's common for everybody in fact speaking of the past for those of you that listen to the first segment, I want to assure you that Silverbird Ranch no longer drives buses. <laughs> we, we rent them from professionals now. We've had our past, and uh, we don't do that anymore. But, you know, the bottom line really, really is um, there's a lot of young people who are afraid to try things and fail because their past haunts them, failure haunts them. I have found there's two venues, and you, you two guys are younger, so tell me if I'm not right on this, but there's there's two kind of avenues that happen. There are people that when they make a mistake in life, when, when something doesn't work, they look at it and go, oh, I just found out how that doesn't work, and, and they use it as a springboard you know, to the future. Yeah. And then there's a group that says, I'm no good, I'll never be any good, and it becomes an anchor to their future.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Does, does that describe it?
4: I would say that's a fair assessment,
3: yeah. I don't know if you guys have any examples of that, but but I find that first, if I'm trying to really be honest and help somebody, I have to figure out how they're using the past. And all of the listeners today, and you guys, Jeff and Jason, you're using the past. I know you are. So how are you using it? Is it a springboard? Or is it an anchor? And how do you know? And I would encourage parents now, and then we'll get into the discussion here a little bit on it, but even parents... The reason that mine became a springboard was because of my parents. Mm -hmm. My dad, if I failed at something, I never got punished for it. I didn't, he never demeaned me. He never made me feel like, oh man, you're the most stupid kid that ever walked the face of the planet. Never did that. In fact, I can't spell to this day. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So he told me, you better get somebody to help you proofread stuff. It wasn't like you'll never amount to anything. I'm a writer. I'm a speaker and you know what? I can't spell. So it's not holding me back. Yeah. It's changing how I do it a little bit. Yeah. I have to, I can't send anything out that's not checked. You know, spell check's nice now, so that, that's helpful. Yeah. But, but I can't send anything out that's not checked. Have you guys seen that in your life? Are there examples where either uh, you personally have seen it or or where you've really been held back? Because I think what we want to do is help our l- listeners see they might not be identifying right with what we're saying. But if they can understand, if the framework for the past can be reframed so that it is actually a springboard rather than detrimental, my goodness, you will be somebody who is hard to stop, and you've just defeated a lot of depression, actually, anxiety, and this kind of stuff because... Of things. So let's talk about that. Experiences that may have done that in our lives or your lives.
2: Well, first of all, that is a very profound way of looking at it because a lot of times we'll see our failures and we'll look at those as those are black marks on our record. Right. 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 I mean, and sometimes the punishment fits the crime, sometimes the punishment is a little bit too strong. But either way, somehow along the way, we've been reinforced that failure is not an option, that failure just cannot happen. And if you fail, Boy, that's, that's a really big mark on your record. I mean, some people are, you know, even fearful of being fired for a mistake at their job. Sometimes, whether it's working for a boss or someone who is not very forgiving of a person or in school, you know, when you had to take the test and say you bomb a test and you failed on the test, you come home and you're grounded, you know, because apparently you failed the test, you didn't know how to regurgitate the answers or something. So failure in itself can hang us up too because we're not always prepared for failure. We're not always prepared to, to handle it. A lot of times, whether it's our parents or it's our social structures or teachers, we aren't really working through the failure well. We're just expected perfection. Right. And so we're kind of, I'm speaking from a personal perspective, not necessarily from a whole perspective, but a personal experience. You know, I've been a frustrated perfectionist to the point where not only am I afraid to fail, but failure isn't an option. Right. And so, whether it means you got to make a, you know an excuse for a mistake that you did, or you've got to cover your trail, I'm not saying or to, you avoid to become it totally. a, Yeah, you really try to avoid. Uh, you failure. avoid the whole event if, it,
3: if you don't think you can do it right. It, that way, you don't fail.
2: Yeah, but in life, that hangs you up so much. It, it hangs you up in relationships. It hangs you up in a job situation because you're petrified. You're living not a life based on courage and boldness, but really rooted in fear. And that a lot of times comes from past mistakes. So. I mean, every single one of us can point back to our history and say, I really made mistakes here. I've failed here. But I I think it's a lot of times how you work through the failure that really defines where you go in life. And that's, it's easier said than done, really.
4: Yeah. And I think a lot of times we get the case of the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. We look back and we focus more on, well, I wish I would have done that. I should have done this. I could have done that. But rather than focusing on the past... You know, I think what we need to learn to do, and and I think in in some areas of our life, this is what we do learn. It's like, all right, how can I take that experience then and make it a positive thing? How can I learn from it? And it's simple because we've been doing it since we've been kids, you know? And I see this in my son even in a very simplistic form. When we're cooking on the stove, it's hot. Yes. You know, and there's no way sometimes that he's going to know it's hot until he has an accident, you know, or he touches it or we tell him. I mean, we could tell him it's hot all the time, you know, but as soon as he learns that it's hot, he has a choice you know he could sit there and think a oh, man i shouldn't have touched that or what naturally happens in a developing mind is like all right next time i'm not going to do that but as we get older and things get more complicated there's more reasoning behind it right. and i think that's where we need to be more intentional because the innate nature of us is let's learn from it right but i think sometimes it gets muddled by the confusion of sin and, and Satan not wanting us to learn from those mistakes. Um, if it's a sin thing, otherwise there's other things, you know, that, yeah. that we can learn from.
3: You guys said something interesting, though. It's like, well, when I made a mistake in the past. What if it's not a mistake? Yeah. What, what if it's just an experience that went bad? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that, and that happens it, all I mean, the time too.
3: we tend to frame it in the word mistake. I got cut from a no-cut baseball team. Is that a mistake? Well, Coach probably shouldn't have done that because it's a no-cut team. But but other than that, (laughs) or was it just an experience that said, you're really bad at baseball? Yeah. Now, what are you going to do with that experience? Mm -hmm. My dad was able to frame it right for me. It's like, well, I guess you're not going to be a baseball player. Let's do something else. Right. Okay. You know what? I thought about that for 30 seconds. Now, if my dad would have said, you're that bad, boy, you stink. Mm -hmm. Man, now I would have been having my head held down. And it's like, no. Oh, yeah, my dad just framed it right. It's like, I guess I'm not going to be a baseball player. I'll go do something else. Again, in all of your experiences, first of all, we're looking at relationships here. Mm-hmm. Uh, relationship with God says uh, obviously something. Relationship with our parents, relationship with each other. Uh, we can demean each other very much by just saying, oh, man, you're that bad. I took five years of piano lessons, and you know what I learned? I'm not a musician. <laughs> 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 yeah. And and to this day, I'm not. it's not holding me back. I mean, I'm not angry about it. I'm not... I learned, this isn't my thing. I so wish, you know, I had a friend that could sit down and play anything on the piano without even knowing any notes or music theory. And I'm going, I want that. I wasn't that. So my five years of experience, I remember my dad, when I quit lessons, he wanted me to take uh, anything and I did. He finally came around and said, yeah, this isn't for you. You know what I mean? It's obviously not for you. It wasn't condemning. Mm -hmm. It was, this isn't how you're wired. So past experiences. They're going to teach you as a springboard, or they're going to bury you as an anchor.
2: Yeah, when we come back, we're going to talk about this verse in Philippians 3, 12. It's just, it's one of those where I think it's a life verse of mine. Talk about that when
0: we come back. So keep it here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio and Q ninety FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome
2: back to the show. Chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Also, tonight at HopeNet360.com, see you at the poll numbers are there. And if you have not reported your school in, What are you waiting for? Go to hopenet360.comslash S slash T P. Let us know how things went around your flagpole this year and maybe some of the stories that have happened there. Maybe a a time of courage or boldness or stillness and just hearing God speak to you. Uh, These are such great moments around the flagpole. I, I always remember, guys, being in high school and going to the flagpole in the morning on See You at the Pole Day and just having that time with people that I didn't even realize were Christians. And I all of a sudden figured out, wow. You believe this too? You you follow Christ too? This is awesome. And these are just moments that I've treasured in my life, and so hopefully that was a great experience for you this year. Check out HopeNet360.com and share your story with us. Jeff, D.W., Jason with you on the show, 99th episode. Next week's going to be fun, but tonight we're having a great conversation about looking forward. And this passage, guys, in Philippians 3, 12-14 This is Paul talking about how he's just saying some really things that I've even said to a lot of my friends that I've talked to you guys. I haven't figured this out. I haven't reached perfection yet, but you know what? One thing I do is I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus has first possessed me that I press on. I go forward in life, not because I know that I failed in my past or because I'm trying to, you know, pay penance for the, the failures of my mistakes. No, I'm living forward because Man, I know I've blown it. I've known i made mistakes in my life. But, you know, what's more is I know that Jesus has bigger things for me. He has better things prepared for me. I have to continually press on. I know in my own life, I know I need to move past my mistakes. But some of us have a really difficult time doing that and almost want to just continually live in those mistakes and failures. That's kind of weird, but I've seen that.
3: Yeah, you know, what's interesting to me is sorrow is really or mistakes are a foundation It's a foundation work. It's not the building work. And some people just stay in the foundation all their lives and keep working on it. What do you mean? Sorrow allows us to see things clearly. Without sorrow, we don't see things clearly. It's almost a gift in a way. So when I see pain, I understand that I shouldn't be disfiguring my body by putting my face on the burner on the stove. So pain is a gift. The immediacy of pain is a gift. The making pain dull is not a gift. We should feel pain because it's our friend in that sense. Pain is always there to remind us of something that we need to correct. I shouldn't have my hand on the burner. I shouldn't be doing, you know, I mean, it reminds us of something Mm -hmm. that's there to protect us. So pain actually is a trigger that protects us. Right. So when somebody tries to get numb to pain, they're moving away from its protective value. So sin, should that pain us? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So when we get numb to sin, what does that do? Moves us towards mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. What happens is we have a tendency to want to, to minimize the pain. And when we do that, the only option is numbness. And then when numbness hits, uh, we become disfigured because of the fact that the numbness now, the pain's no longer protecting us. That's one thing. As you were talking, I, I, I kept thinking about that. Uh, the other one was a story in the Bible where there was a man laying by the well in Bethesda. I think the well of Bethesda, I think that was the name of that well. And and he was laying there and he was crippled. And Jesus came up. With, we had a program on this once a long time ago, I think. Yeah. Jesus came up to him and just said, do you want to get well? Why that question?
2: Well, that guy had been there for like 38 years. Yeah. A long time. This isn't, you know, months or even days. This was...
3: He was so used to his dysfunction. Yeah. That Jesus saying, do you want to get well, was a loaded question. Because if you walk... You can't come here and lay tomorrow. If you walk, everything about your life is going to be different from this point on. There are some people listening to us today, Jason and Jeff, that have set their whole life around their dysfunction. Mm-hmm. They've set their whole life up around failure. They've set their whole life up around being a victim. And if they're free from that, they don't know how to live. And I don't know if that makes sense, but that's really what happens.
2: That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, it, And it's maybe just being stuck in a victim mindset, and it's it's a reality. And I my heart goes out to people who are stuck because in some ways I can relate to that. I can, I can get focused on my past failures and think, well, man, I'm just a victim of the system. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's, you know, my teachers, or maybe it was, you know, this boss that I had years ago, or maybe it was my parents. Maybe it was an abusive relative of mine who abused me when I was younger. Either way, it's no longer a a point where I need to move forward from. It's like, This is just who I am. I'm constantly going to be failing. I'm constantly going to be making mistakes. So why don't I just accept it? I don't want to say, well, we need to embrace our failures. I think we need to expect that we're going to fail. But we can't live thinking that I'm just a failure in myself because that's not how God created us to live.
3: Right? Right. Right. You're you're either going to use it as an anchor or springboard. You're you're either going to learn something from it and, and learn what you shouldn't do anymore Again, a line from my dad. I made a mistake when I was a kid. I can't remember what he's doing, but he goes, "Well, you learned that that's not how you do it."
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, that's a very positive spin. Yes, on it. And it's not like you're a bum. Yeah. No, you've learned that's not how you do that. Yeah. Well, that's really positive. And he was right. You know, there's a basic principle in life, and the basic principle if you're going to be okay is personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. That that's the basic principle. Dave Wager is responsible for my sin. I am a sinner, and I need to understand I am responsible. What What happens if we start using our past experiences as anchors is that we start becoming a victim, and other people are responsible for us, and it just makes us feel better about the fact that we're not really responsible for our sin, Mm -hmm. that others are responsible. It's kind of like an alcoholic if you go to one and say, you know, you need to know you're an alcoholic before I can help you. Well, that's true. I need to know that Dave Wager is responsible for admitting my sin. I'm responsible for my attitude. I'm responsible for my repentance. And and if I'm a victim, I'm not responsible anymore. I can blame. As soon as those other people change and other things change, and I can be okay. You'll never be okay that way. We need to be responsible. And some would say, well, I don't have a choice. We've had a program on that, too. You, you do have a choice. Yep. No matter what, that's one thing that nobody could ever take from you. They they can't. I'm not saying all your choices are good, but you always have them. Mm-hmm. Someone comes to you, puts a gun to your head, give me your money, or I'll, I'll you know I'll shoot you or something, and, and and you have a choice. You can either give me your money or get shot. But but you still have a choice. Mm-hmm. You say, well, I don't like either one of those. That's not what I'm saying, but you do have a choice. Yeah. And and I think victimhood makes it so you don't, so you feel better about not making a choice.
2: And I think the difficulty for Christians, those who really have that heart of compassion for people, is to not give in to people who want to just continually play the victim. I mean, any one of us at any time, Jason, you've probably been at, at points where you've either met people or you've been in that spot where sure, I would love to just play the victim right now because that would just be easier than facing
4: my reality. Well, and I think that that is the problem sometimes is that, you know, even in that biblical example that, that they've just shared, you know, there's that choice. It's like, all right, I'm used to this. And if I fix it, all of a sudden I have to put in effort. Yeah, You know, and I also think that when it comes to, you know, the whole victim mentality, you know, sometimes as you talk to those people, it's almost as like, well, this is all happening to me You know, it doesn't happen to anybody else. But the reality is, you know, we're all imperfect. And we talked a little bit in between segments about this, but we all are not perfect. And that's the reality. And so we all face choices and we all face that responsibility of what do we do when things don't go the way we expect it to go and how are we going to respond to that? Right. When we come back in the second half of the show tonight, we're going to talk
2: about practical ways to actually working through the pain and to get to where you're not just looking at the past anymore, but you're looking through it from a different set of eyes that you can see your past in light of how God sees it, not necessarily how you see it. Plus, we're going to talk to Tim Burr about Fields of Faith coming up. So keep it here on HopeNet Radio.
0: Feel like nobody cares? We do. Hopenet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at Hopenet360.com. It's Hopenet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at Hopenet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome to the second half of
2: HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW with you tonight on the show. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss any part of this conversation, you can always go back to HopeNet360.com and check out the show notes, grab the podcast. It's all there. HopeNet360.com slash podcast will help you to find all of our past shows. And this show will be posted later on tonight. And so we're glad you've joined us for this conversation. It's kind of been one of those challenging ones. We've talked about it plenty of times before on the show, and a lot of it comes back to looking at the past, seeing what you've been through, seeing those past mistakes, and feeling the pain all over again as though it never left you. And one of the things that, as a young person, I struggled with is anytime you had some kind of an experience where you had a faith building moment, whether it's you at the pole or it's something like a missions trip, maybe it's a camp experience like you guys have up here, or maybe a time where you just, you felt God was really close to you. Uh, Suddenly you have to face whatever that quote unquote real world is that you're in. And a lot of times as a young person, I struggled to take whatever that experience was into my daily life. And so sometimes it was a building on those things. Sometimes it was my past failures kept bringing me back, but somehow I would lose whatever I thought was that feeling of God being so close or that that confirmation that he was doing work in my life and that I was a different person. All of a sudden it seemed like I'm not really a different person. I'm the same person just going back, you know, I'm just a couple of days older than I was before. And so we want to help you guys to work through those challenges. You are a different person. When you're in Christ, you are a different person. And I think the key thing tonight is how do we have endurance through that? How do we get past the pain and I think first things first, we've got to address the fear. I think a lot of people, whether we're adults, you're a teenager, change can bring about fear. We can really fear that idea of change because change is not always easy. We've talked about this on the show many well, times. Why, before. Fear yeah.
3: why fear it? Why fear why, it? Why does somebody fear change?
2: It's just the unknown. You just don't know what to expect.
3: Okay. And, and we've really set our lives up in a very comfortable way that even in the, the discomfort, we're comfortable.
2: Exactly. Well, we, many of us are trying to get out of comfortability because we've just become so comfortable that we've become complacent.
3: Do you try and satisfy your uh, feelings, uh, Jason? I think so. Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> uh, you have a, you're thirsty. That's an urge, you, yeah, you try Yeah, so satisfy water. Yeah, I mean, we all do. Tendencies to do that. We have, when things are uncomfortable for us, we have a tendency to move away from it and find our comfort spot. And that's why some people turn to alcohol, actually or drugs, or sex, or whatever else, because what they're finding is a, there's a comfort spot, and they're trying to get to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and what they realize, it, here, here's the problem, though. You're really not saved by memory. You're saved by hope. What does that mean? In other words, when I look back in my life, the, the things that happen in my life aren't going to uh, give me anything in the future to live for. Only the future gives me the future to live for. And, and hope comes from looking forward, not backward. Let's use the word potential. Um, there are students in the Nicolay Bible Institute right now. They have potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not in the Nicolay Bible Institute. I'm pushing 60 years old and I'm a teacher. If you were to come to me and say, Dave, I've always enjoyed your potential, <laughs> that would be a disastrous statement to me. Yeah. Because I'm beyond that at this point. I either realized my potential or I left it behind. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is that. I need to keep looking forward so I can realize the effects of what I'm learning today so it doesn't stay potential. That's all. Hmm. And, and, and I need to do that, and you need to do that. And, and we don't want to do that because we're comfortable living in a way that doesn't force us to actually change what we think, change what we do. In fact, how much energy do you think we put forth trying to stay the same? Probably a lot. Yeah. I mean, think about your own lives. I mean, we do a lot. We, we keep people out of our lives that might question us. We get together with other people and we all agree that this other person's wrong. I mean, that <laughs> takes a lot of effort to you know, yeah. do that. To, to even continually look backwards, mm. practically speaking. Jason, if I were to ask you this, how does focusing on your past, how can you change anything in life by focusing on your past?
4: Well, I can't change the past. So right. Really, the only thing I can change is what's ahead of me.
3: So if you keep being bothered by something in the past, yep. is that going to change that past? Nope. No, so is that a waste of time? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yep. Now, the only way that the past becomes not a waste of time is when it's a springboard. Yeah. So, But if it's an anchor, you're not going to change it. You're not going to change anything about it. Mm-hmm. So dwelling on it and fretting on it and, and worrying about it Hasn't changed a thing. So you just wasted all that time. And not only did you waste that time, but Jason, you and I, we work together every day, and you know, I'm we're here. And let's say you're 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 worried about something. You just robbed us of now. Mm. So you're married, and you have children. and Child, and a child, and Jeff, you're married with a couple kids. And if you are so obsessed with the past, are you a good husband? No. Mm-mm. Good father? Really. No. So you just robbed the present yeah. because you're obsessed with something that you can't do anything about. It's almost as if Satan's laughing at that one, saying, you know, I got you here. Where what we can do is acknowledge the past, acknowledge its mistakes, mm-hmm. acknowledge that we just weren't experienced or whatever it might be, acknowledge the fact that we live in a sinful world and that people hurt people, and then move forward and say, but I'm living right now in the present, yeah. and I'm going to live now like I should. And that's very practical to me because it's more like I've just wasted all this time and all these relationships, and I've been a booger to my wife and I've been a booger to my kids just because I'm living in the past in something I can't change.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, when you're so focused on the past, like it's just a miserable state to be in. You know, you're miserable. The people around you, you're making miserable, and it just doesn't it doesn't have that satisfyingness. But when you do something about it, yeah,
3: all what do of a you sudden- expect somebody to do to fix it? Yeah, yeah, they can't go in the past and fix it. No. You know? Even an apology, as much as you like that, is that going to fix it? No. No. So we'd say, well, if you just apologize. I don't know how many people have said that to me, yeah. and you apologize, and they go, well, that didn't make me feel any better. Yeah. Like, right. you can't fix it. Like, Would you make me apologize for that? Right. Because, yeah, there was a mistake made, but you're not going to change it yeah, at this
2: point. Especially those hundred kids that you had you know to bus on one bus yeah please try to apologize
3: please forgive me children
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know but in 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 reality though and and it's not even looking at the past as just a bunch of negatives some people we talked about in the the book of ecclesiastes when we went through that how we can't look at yesterday and and wish for yesterday to be back as good as it was yesterday even our successes in the past sometimes we can look at our life and I don't know if you get caught in this, Dave, in thinking about the good old days, you know, when things were – I was younger and I could do more and all this. Sometimes we get – either way we look at it, whether it was a positive experience or a negative experience, we can get anchored in the past and think either my present is still miserable or my present is still miserable because I'm no
4: longer who I once was. I think that's a good point to bring up that it's not just negative things, but it's good things as well because the way that you view those things – I mean, it, it even influences your expectations. You yeah. know, say it was right. a really good thing. You know, say you had like an awesome youth group or something when you were a kid and all of a sudden you're helping out with one and all you're doing is complaining because it's not like the right. youth group that you grew up in. Yeah. And all of a sudden now you're creating an environment where it's not good either. Yep. And so it, it, it's whether it's good or bad, you know, you just need to, and, and sometimes in doing so you're putting God in the box yeah. because you expect God to work the same way that he did in that in that instance. And I remember a a
3: football coach once when a guy came up to him and he was just acting like he was the bomb, you know? Yeah. The coaches looked at him and said, nothing's as old as yesterday's press clippings. (laughs) And the guy got the message. It was like, yeah, I know. Everyone's writing about how good you are right now. Yesterday. Mm -hmm. I want to see how good you are the next game. Yeah. You know, it was good. You had a good game. Congratulations. You did everything right. Mm -hmm. You can do it again. Mm -hmm. That's what matters. And, And you're right. I mean, it can be a... The positive of the past right. that causes you to not diligently seek what you should in the present, yeah. yeah or it could be the negative in the past that causes you to shut down and be a victim of the present. one more thing before we
2: take a break here on the show second thing helping to move forward from the past is you have to actually ditch that willpower method if you will, or the my way or the highway method Galatians five sixteen says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You know, to make any real change happen in your life, you can't trust in willpower. Willpower eventually is going to fade. I've experienced it in my own life. I'll get passionate about something, and then two hours later, it's it's boring. It's no longer exciting. I don't have the same drive that I once had to do it. For some reason, that's faded. No, you can't trust even in your own spirit. Your spirit's going to fail you. God's spirit never will. It's going to give you that endurance. We're going to talk about that, plus our interview with Timbers coming up here
0: on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at Hopenet360.com. This is Hopenet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Jeff, DW with you tonight. Thanks for joining us
2: on the show. I'm so excited. We have in studio, we have a chance to sit down with a pretty awesome football coach here in Green Bay. Coach Burr is joining us in studio right now to share about another faith-launching event coming up for students in a couple of weeks. Tim, welcome to HopeNet Radio
1: tonight. Wow, thanks. I thought it was an introduction. I was looking <laughs> behind me looking for Coach McCarthy.
2: Oh, oh, not quite that. <laughs> But hey, welcome. I'm glad you could come on tonight. And I've been excited to see you at the poll this last week. I love all these faith-launching experiences, these events that are right away at the beginning of the school year. Sometimes school gets to be pretty exciting, but also there's a lot of anxiety, too. A lot of people trying to figure out their schedule and stuff. That kind of faith gets put on a back burner sometimes, if we can just be honest. Oh, yeah. And it gets hard to think about your spiritual life in the midst of all the chaos. you
1: You got schoolwork. You got athletics. I mean, you got show choir, all this stuff coming up. Some, some of the kids work. Some of their schedules are unbelievable. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm excited not just to see you at the poll. See you at the polls is a great launching experience, uh, one of the biggest prayer movements in the world. But now Fields of Faith, this is another huge student-led event that's about faith-building and, and really faith-launching in a lot of ways. Tell us a little bit about
1: Fields of Faith. Yeah, well, we, start, we had Fields of Faith has been in Green Bay for about four years. Uh, it was initially started over at Preble High School. And then we started taking turns with Provo High School over at Southwest High School. And uh, this year it's going to be at East DePierre High School at the football stadium on oh, October wow. 14th.
2: And this is the first time for
1: DePierre? First time for DePierre. They started their FCA Puddle Group about two years ago. Okay. So it's at DePierre, October 14th. What time? It's going to be at 630. Uh, we're going to have a worship time. We're going to have a couple of speak high school students that are going to speak. We're going to have a couple of special speakers and and one of them is Dave Fiorazzo right here from 90.1. You know, he's going to talk, but also he's going to be doing the decision time at the end.
2: One thing I, I know about Fields of Faith, I had a great opportunity to come and speak last year at it. This is
1: all student-led. It's all meant for students, but it's, it's student-led. Both these, I mean, C at the poll obviously is student-led. There's no teachers, there's no coaches as far as leading anything. I've been able to go to the C at the poll and just be there with the kids just to encourage them. So this is just another step, Fields of Faith is just another way for them to step out and really trust God that everything's going to work out and uh, show their fellow students uh, that they they love Jesus, and, and it's an exciting time. So it's it's totally student-led. Is this just for athletes? No. I mean, you know, the Fellowship Christian Athletes, a lot of people think it's just for athletes, but we got kids in our group that are in the play or they're part of the show choir. It's just really, it's, the, it's an organization, a national organization that we kind of fit under, but you don't have to be an athlete by no means to be involved with it. And as far as fields of faith, I would say half the people that come to the event are an athlete. So you don't have to be athletic to even do any of that kind of stuff. So there's no like Ninja Warrior no, challenges no. or any of that <laughs> stuff? I know you were a soccer player, so you're pretty athletic.
2: I enjoy sports and many different kinds. I played soccer for my high school career, but that wasn't really long lived. I just I enjoy being yeah. active and sure. a lot of young people do. You don't have to play on a team just to get out and be active. It's not even it's not even an athletic yeah. event
1: for, you know, right. for one thing, but why a football field? I think one of the cool things about when it was created, it's something out of the ordinary. I mean, here you got a community, the lights are on, it's dark around, you see the lights on. It kind of—I think it's a way to draw people that maybe don't even know about the event, but all of a sudden they see the lights are on, they're going to go check it out, mm-hmm.
2: and it's cool because the football field is like a community hub mm-hmm. where a lot of people come. You watch your sporting games there, and you connect. And this is just another opportunity for people to come out and connect. And to be encouraged in their faith. I think that's one of the greatest things. Not only see you at the poll, it's a great event, but fields of faith. This is one of those where you come and hear student testimonies. You hear stories of just how God has used them in ways they never thought. Mm-hmm. Hear a great message. We'll also have a couple of great speakers out there. The, the big idea to get in the game and get in the book. What
1: does that mean to you, and what does that mean for students? I think as far as getting in the game is getting involved in the Christian life, not being on the sideline, not sitting the bench and watching somebody else go to church and just watch somebody else worship and go to church and listen to somebody else speak, but actually getting in the game, inviting their friends. If their friends make a decision for Christ, being with them on the field. And I think that's one of the coolest things, too, about the, being on a football field, to be able to walk onto that field. And they will remember that for the rest of their life, that they made the best decision of their life by asking Jesus into their life. And so what does this event mean to you? Why, why are you so passionate about Fields of Faith? Obviously, I love athletics, even though it's not anything to do with athletics. I love football, but most of all, I love Christ. And it's just an opportunity for the community to come together, for youth pastors to bring their youth groups. It's, just, it's happening in different cities across the country. But within that city, it's happening just at that one spot. To be able to see kids talk about Christ in front of their peers is a big challenge even for me. I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to do that as far as right then and there. And it's really cool just to see how God is used. I mean, for example, three years ago, a girl at that night of Fields of Faith, she was going to commit suicide. And somehow... Somebody kept asking her through that week to come to this event, and she somehow decided to come to the event. She ended up accepting Christ, and her life was changed. I mean, she didn't follow through with anything that she was thinking about doing.
2: And there was a young girl, I think it was last year before I spoke, that was just Mm -hmm. sharing a real incredible story of her own, how she'd been struggling in a lot of different ways and was invited and came. And now she's speaking at Fields of Faith, sharing her story. And it was, it was an emotional time because you could just feel, you could sense, I mean, all the things that she was going through trying to fit in and trying to wrestle with and, and deal with, and some things that, uh, some of the medication she'd been Mm -hmm. on and just things that were just controlling her. And it wasn't until she found a relationship with Christ that, everything changed perspective changed not just that but her life was dramatically different and by far a a better place than she was even a year ago before that it was an incredible story so the testimonies i have to say are probably one of the highlights of this Mm -hmm. night just hearing like you said students getting in front of students and sharing their story that's a stretching point that'd be a stretching point for any adult most adults these days
1: yeah Yeah, i mean it's just it's just amazing time and also just to hear high school kids praising god outside The music has been phenomenal over the last few years, and we're still working on uh, getting that taken care of. But the cool thing, and we know God is faithful. He's been faithful these these four or five years we've had the event and really just allowing him to work and kind of for us to just to get out of the way and let him work.
2: I have here, it started in 2004, and today, well, up until two years ago, the numbers that are on the website over 170,000 people have attended fields of faith around the country and probably even around the world. So this is an incredible event, and it's not just about numbers. It's really about changed lives. Mm -hmm. It's, It's all about testimonies. It's all about stories. It's about students leading students into a relationship with Christ. There's an amazing time at the end where everybody gets down in the field and you have an opportunity to just share life and share new life in discovering who Jesus is. So if you want more information about fields of faith, And all the things that are happening there, go to hopenet360.com slash F-O-F. Pretty simple, fields of faith. Go to hopenet360.com slash F-O-F. You'll find details there, and it'll tell you what time, where things are happening, who's going to be there speaking, all the details and stuff there on our website. Tim, thanks so much for joining us on the show tonight. It's been a lot of fun. Thank
1: you. I appreciate it. I love what you guys do here at the radio station. I love what you're doing through Hopenet. I know lives are being changed, and it's great to be partnering up with you guys.
2: Special thanks to Coach Burr for coming on the show tonight. Remember, if you're going through something and you need to talk to somebody right now, there's a live coach standing by at Hopenet360.com. The conversation will continue here on Hopenet Radio.
0: Love Hopenet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at Hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back
2: to the show. Check out tonight's show notes and podcast at hopenet360.com slash podcast. And you can subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. That link again is hopenet360.com slash podcast. Every show, every conversation every tweet or whatever a few tweets we'll have in there we'll share some of those on our show notes as well so go back listen to past shows enjoy the conversation and always be a part of it Right now we are live on Twitter, so if you want to join the tweet back with us tonight, you can join in and share your Mm -hmm. comments, share your thoughts with us on the show. Use the hashtag HNRTV. So Jeff, DW, Jason with you on the 99th episode. Next week will be a great conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Tim Burr with Fields of Faith. That is coming up October 14th if you missed that. And details are also on our website. So check it out for yourself. We're having a great conversation really about moving forward in our life. We've been looking back. Back on some of the past episodes, even as we're preparing for the hundredth episode, some great conversations that we've had, and it can become easy to look back on the, even the past successes, the past good things in our life, and think, "Man, today I wish my life was that good. Oh, I really yeah. wish, you know, things were going as well as they did in my life." I, you know, as a parent of a couple young kids, sometimes you get caught in the trap of, "What did we do with our time before we had kids? You know, all that time we could clean, we could do all the things we wanted to do, and..." Just thinking that, man, things were really good way back then. And to move forward from that, and I know, Dave, you caught a, a TV show with Bear Grylls here recently, and mm-hmm. uh, the guy's a kind of interesting guy, but I know Drew Brees, I understand Drew Brees was on the show, and he went through a really neat, I would call it maybe a spiritual experience on the show. Yeah. Why don't you share that?
3: You know what? It, it, it's interesting. When you just look at things and something strikes you, They Bear and Drew Brees were, were needing to cross this river, and, and immediately... Uh, bear kind of looked at it. I think he might have put his foot in a little bit and said, you know what? This mud will suck us in. If you've ever been around bodies of water that have been there a while, uh, the mud can be something and it, and it can suck you in. I've seen in the bottom of lakes here in Wisconsin, you throw something in there, man, it's gone. It's just gone in this muck layer that's hundreds of years old, probably. So you couldn't walk across. You, you would get stuck. You would get sucked in and die. Mm-hmm. So, what what Bear Grylls did was he said well I got this paracord and I have this grappling hook and I have a quarterback that can throw things <laughs> and so he took uh, Drew and he asked him to throw this and he, and of course first try right across where it belonged and hit the rock and did everything right and he took this little paracord now have you seen paracord they're not very it's not very thick yeah I've, yep. it's just real strong real thin mm-hmm. rope and he took it and tied it. After it got on there, tied it to a, 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 almost it looked like a twig to me on the other side, but obviously he tied it to something that would hold. He had uh, Drew go, and, and, and Drew went across, and immediately Drew was saying, oh, man. In other words, the mud is sucking me in. Yeah. So he had to hang on to that paracord to keep him from going down in the mud. And then Bear went across, and both of them ex- explained on the other side, that would have been deadly. Yeah, you know what? Somehow in Bear Grill's life, he learned from somebody else or by experience, that muck at the bottom of water will suck you in. So somewhere there was that negative experience for somebody mm. that we learned that. And and what happened is, instead of letting them it, it stop him, instead of that danger, instead of the fear, instead of knowing that stopping him, mm. they figured out a way to go through that. And, and the way they went through it was, okay, we are going to have to go through it. We are going to get muddy. We are going to get sucked in a little bit but let's hang on to this paracord so that we don't get disastrous results. And as long as you hang on to the court, then it can't suck you all the way down because you're holding yourself up. Very cool. And I thought the same thing, Jeff, as we're talking. There are people, even in our conversation with Jason and you, and there's different generations here. You know, I've experienced things that I can offer you and say, look, I've learned this. Mm-hmm. I, and and I can also tell you that, look, you, you were just talking about where's all the time. and the, yeah. I know you don't want to hear this, and nobody younger wants to hear this. It never gets better. Mm-hmm. And, and so people are going, wait a minute, it's got to get better. <laughs> I know. No, you know what? Time demands don't get easier. Yep, They don't get easier. Um, even today, I'm an empty nester. But how much radio am I doing, Jeff? I'm doing a couple, another place calls me. And then I got all my teaching, and then I have, I'm thinking, I wonder if I'll ever have more time. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and then I own a house, and the houses eat, eat your time, and then you. Yeah, you, know, you got to cut the lawn. That never stops. That seems no like, you know, kidding. You know? So it's like, all right, all right. When am I going to have more time? You know, people, get that off your calendar. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So what you have to do is manage your time. Yeah. And you have to manage the experiences to make them so that you can use them.
4: Yeah, and I think you're getting on to something, is,
3: is realizing that
4: these different situations are just part of everyday life. You're always going to have a past because every day is a new day and yesterday is in the yesterday And so the way that you live and experience your life, you need to learn and grow from it. And if you're always getting down on yourself for whether it's successes or comparing yourself to what was or could have been, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, even here at camp, I face that every summer. I get kids that come and have a lot of fun every summer. They come back expecting the same thing to have as much fun as last summer, and I got to change it and do it so that it's.
3: You better do it a degree better. (laughs) You know,
4: and and that's the reality of it, and that's not a bad thing. You know, in, in this case, it's a good thing, but I have to learn from the past, tweak it, and make it better. And the same is with our lives. You know, we need to look at the good and
3: the bad, tweak it, so that we allow God to use us. Yeah, don't be afraid of you know? the mud. Put yeah. a paracord across it. Don't let the mud beat you. Yeah. But you still got to cross the river. Yep. And, and, and you're not the only one. And, and I love that point you just made, Jason. It's like we sit there and think, I'm such a victim. Yeah. Nobody else goes through this. You know what? I will bet you that any experience that either of you guys have gone through, I probably have gone through uh, to a different degree in a different place in a different way, but the same experience mm-hmm. because Satan only has his tool belt is only so big yeah. and, and he uses the same stuff. He just disguises it different ways. And and so it's nothing new. You're going to go through mud. All of us are going to go through disappointment. Yep. Um, you've heard me say that if you love somebody, you're going to be in pain because love and pain go together. In other words, My wife and I, I love her dearly. I never want to be separated from her. I do know that one day one of us will leave the other probably. Mm. That's a painful thought. Mm -hmm. Would it be better for me not to love or to love and understand that the pain will be there? Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's the choice we all have in every area of life. Should I be a victim and not enjoy my relationship now because I'm afraid that one day it's going to end? No. No. See, that's the stuff we have to look at and start dealing with in a real way and not let that stuff make us you know, crazy.
2: Tonight, guys, I think it is really important that we we don't wear those failures or even the past successes as badges of honor. I think it's really important that we recognize that today God has a plan for your today and for your tomorrow, but even so much more today. And Dave, you talk a lot about expectations. We'll post some of those past shows on our show notes tonight as well. But expectations are a big thing. You know, when you start saying things like, man, what did I do with all that time? You know, when you start looking back, at what was, you start to think, well, today I should be able to have the same expectations I had back then for how I'm running my life now or how things are going in my life. And that's just not possible. I think it's so important that we surrender really what those expectations are and ask God, do those line up with what you have for me? Because I think a lot of times we have expectations of life. We have expectations of our reality, our relationships that are not good. They're not healthy for us. They're not something that's going to help us to grow. They might even keep us from moving forward in our life. So surrender those things. I think third thing, third point that I really want to make tonight, we'll post the rest of these as well on our website is that our mess becomes our message. Just like what Drew Brees and Bear Grylls were experiencing with that paracord there, we have a mess that we walk through and in our past experience we realized that that mess at one point dragged us down and almost sucked us under and could have killed us and now we're making some differences in life and hopefully going through that mess again we can help pull other people out of that mess to grab onto that paracord which I would say that is that is Christ that we hold on to him as we walk through that mud so that we don't drown so we don't get consumed by the muck and by the dirt and all that stuff and uh, and then one day we'll be able to look and we'll be able to laugh
3: at the failure and get bear get a bear grills in your life yeah. that, that can tell you look that's pretty mucky don't let somebody tell you, oh, you'll make it. That's yeah. okay. No problem. No. It's mucky. Get a, get a paracord. Make sure you hang on to it. Yes. It, and then you get to the other side and you can both laugh about it because it's like, ha, you didn't get me, did you? <laughs> you know, you tried. You sucked me down pretty good, but you didn't get me.
2: All right. Check out tonight's show notes at hopenet360.com as well as the podcast. And we'll see you next week on the 100th episode. For all of us here on Hopenet Radio, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you online and next week. Bye. Later.